Welcome to ColdCast, a podcast devoted to some of the great things happening in the Comstock Public Schools. I'm Jason Hall, Communications Specialist for the School District, and I'm your host. The idea behind this podcast is to go a little more in-depth into a Comstock school story that you may have already heard a little bit about, and to give you an opportunity for you to hear directly from the people involved. You've seen the sign or the flyer, but you didn't go to the event. You know that the team is playing today. You might even know that they're doing well this season, but you haven't been to the game. We want to take you to the game. We want to take you to the event. In this episode, we're going to meet a school counselor who is making an impact at two of our schools. We're going to find out what it takes to build a library from scratch, and we'll talk to university professors who have partnered with one of our middle school teachers to teach seventh graders a little more about what's happening on the ground by taking to the skies. But first, we're going to talk about using technology to take stress out of some stressful situations. For the third time in the past five years, Comstock STEM Academy has been chosen as a state finalist in the Samsung Solve for Tomorrow contest. Now in its 10th year, this nationwide contest is designed to boost interest and proficiency in science, technology, engineering, and math, with the hopes of challenging public school teachers and students in grades 6 through 12 to show how STEM can be applied to improve their local communities. Last year's entry from the STEM Academy became the sole representative from the state of Michigan and in doing so earned $20,000 in classroom supplies and technology for the school. While we won't know until later whether or not this year's submission will get as far in the competition, being selected as a state finalist sets in motion the process of taking the idea a little more seriously as it becomes further researched and refined. To learn a little bit more about this project, I sat down with STEM Academy principal Chris Chop and the student whose idea was chosen to be a state finalist in the contest, McKenna Martin. My idea is a shirt or sleeve that um, is activated by a heart rate monitor that um, monitors when your heart rate goes up when you're having a stress or PTSD attack and it activates a cooling mechanism that may calm down you you may calm down your heart rate or make you more calm during a traumatic episode like that who do you envision would use such an idea well like firefighters or people that used to be in the military or people that are in the military that have experienced like traumatic or will experience traumatic experiences and like this might help them calm down and have more clear head did thinking when they are experiencing those kind of situations. Interesting thought, right? Trying to get these people who who are under stress to maybe be able to have a moment to pause and and think a little more clear-headed. They would need to do that. What inspired you to come up with such an idea? Um... Mayor Hopewell of Kalamazoo, or he used to be mayor, um, he came into our classroom for, like, the Samsung uh, ideas and stuff to get the students thinking, and one of my classmates asked about, like, what kind of PTSD and stuff is in the community, and that just kind of, like, sparked my idea to see how we could help these people who play, like, a part in our day-to-day lives. So this announcement has just come come in uh, within the last couple of weeks, but... Now what? And working with McKenna, I'm super excited to take her idea and connect her with people in the community um, that will help us do things that I don't know how to do, that McKenna doesn't know how to do yet, um, and make this idea a reality. 
Um, the next deadline is December 3rd, um, and that's our activity plan is due. And McKenna has recruited a team, so she'll be the project manager, and she has a couple of um, ex exceptional students to help her on, in this process. And then we're going to involve the rest of the seventh graders um, to to develop the the um, project further. And so some of our activities, our next activities are going to be connecting with law enforcement, connecting with the VSW, connecting with firefighters and police officers, people that would give us firsthand um, knowledge of what it's like to do their job. We want to understand um, the impact to our community a little bit better. And we've also connected with a Western Michigan University professor, um, Dr. Bazan, and um, he is going to be supporting the development of the electronics, the Bluetooth device on the sleeve, and connecting that to a smartphone and a smartwatch. And so exciting. He, he, he said, yeah, that's doable, but we might have to do some app creation. We might have to do some wiring of um, a Bluetooth-enabled device. And so there's some some learning that's going to happen that I'm excited about. What kinds of research uh, do you need to do to find out how to how to take care of this this problem? Um, well, we definitely need to research like the effects of heart rate on like stress reactions or like reaction time or like how heating or cooling or temperature might affect how how well the device works. That's a, I think that's a really exciting part of the project for me, um, bringing in experts to help and collaboratively identify a problem in the community with students, and then students um, take it from, from there. There's so many things we don't know um, and that we're going to have to know in order to do this project well. Um, so our, already um, McKenna and McKenna's family and I have started making a, a list of of um, pleasure reading, I say, like from the National Institute of Health and scholarly journals on um, wearable technology or the Internet of Things and how it's being used to already treat PTSD. What are things that are in, in process and what are things that we can we can develop that are that are new and haven't been created? Um, what is PTSD? What are the symptoms? Um, what what there's a lot of cool learning that's going to happen um, along the way, and so I'm excited. She'll have a, a research team, and they'll identify questions, find information, and so it's, it might feel a little bit like school, but in a connected, real, real way. When you found out about this, uh, started sharing it with people, who was most excited? I think my dad was most excited. Like I called him after. Um, we got the news and I was at school and um, he was like, really? And he, he was really, really excited about it. Miss Royce is your sponsoring teacher, the art teacher. And um, in her room is when I did the announcement. I came down, I was pretty, pretty pumped to share it. And there was cheering, there was clapping. I think you kind of like hid your face in your, in your hands like, oh my goodness, did I actually get it? And then you called your dad from art. I thought that that was pretty, pretty special. Now, last year it did go pretty well, right? $20,000 worth of stuff for the school. Uh, do, do you, does that make you feel uh, any pressure? Yeah, I feel a little bit of pressure because I really want to help the school out like with the money and things. And I, But also, I know it's my idea, and it goes as far as it goes, but uh, I'm just happy that I, ha I have a way to help the community.
Julie Sorensen was a counselor at Compass High School last year, and this year her role has expanded to include STEM Academy. She introduced the Red Ribbon Campaign to STEM Academy this year as a way of starting a conversation with students about the dangers of drug use. I sat down to talk with Julie Sorensen about her role at both schools and the importance of students making real-life connections in this digital age. I work with students on their emotional, social needs. Um, I had them fill out a needs assessment to figure out what types of needs are there at, at Compass. And so we have small groups that we offer after school and before tutoring. The students kind of helped to choose those groups. So we had a student government group, we had an anger management group, a self-esteem group, a grief and loss group, a conflict resolution group. And so during those groups, we have times that we role play or students um, maybe question different conflict resolution skills because it's not something that they're possibly familiar with. Um, we work on kind of ending the stigma on mental health issues. Um, our student government scrubbed the school last year. We decided to have a free food table. So I've gotten several donations for free food that's at the table. That way people can pick food up as they need it. And then I work one-on-one -on -one with students on their emotional social needs. They talk to me about a gamut of things. Obviously I can't explain to what those are as those are confidential. I helped with the graduation last year and that was kind of an exciting experience to watch some of our students who really had difficulties in school be able to walk across the stage. So I wear many different hats at Compass. It seems to me that that age, they would be the most reluctant to say, I'm not going to give up my free time to spend time talking with other people about my problems. Um, how much success have you had in getting those small group, uh, those small groups to, to build uh, and get people to, again, take a little time out of their free time? School's over. I'm out of here. Uh, but to stick around and talk through some of that stuff. Uh, last year, it started out a little bit slow. And as the year progressed, students were excited to stay after. It's kind of um, in between after school time and the time that teachers are having lunch and then before their tutoring time. By the end of last year, I had about 12 students. And then they even started staying after school on Fridays when we didn't have tutor time offered. This year, again, it started off a little slow. Uh, I think some of it is because they haven't seen me in the building as much as what they were used to. But today, we had a group of six people stay on a Friday um, for our student government group. and. Um, I think that they look forward to it because I think it gives them an opportunity to hear different people's perspectives and understand that they're not alone in some of the feelings that they have. Yeah, and that's that's pretty important to to make people feel uh, as if they're part of a community, mm -hmm. um, especially these days where we are all hyper-connected um, and yet kind of disconnected. So this year you've started out now at, at Comstock STEM Academy. And this is a different popu student population from Compass, um, younger, mm -hmm. to, to be sure, um, but probably a, a little less at-risk population uh, at STEM Academy. Not entirely, um, but, but 
for the most part. Um, and so what is what has that been like and what is the reception been from students at STEM Academy? So at STEM, I'm there two days a week and I've been very busy um, seeing students one-on-one. Um, I also did a needs assessment with the students at STEM. Coming into STEM, I didn't really know what to expect or to anticipate. I've absolutely worked with um, a younger student population um, for many years in the past, but I didn't know what to expect from the population at STEM. So the needs assessment kind of helped me decide what types of groups to offer. And I'm going to be having, um, the first groups that I'm having is going to be a mixture of students that might need to build on a skill or maybe they have the skill and they can assist other people within the school within the skill so I'm kind of calling it the leader group where they can help me um, decide what what we're going to be doing with some of our student needs Um, we're going to be having an anxiety group so we're going to be talking about Um, anxiety warning signs and um, getting some coping skills and coping mechanisms and then we're also going to be holding a social skills group so we're going to be talking about different ways in which to interact with um, people and how to hone in our um, anger or frustrations Um, so we're just starting out small with that since I'm only there two days a week I'm only offering um, the group, it's gonna run for six weeks, and I'm starting out with a specific grade level, and then after those six weeks are up, then I'll go to another grade level. But my one-on-one counseling has been very busy. Um, Students uh, have an opportunity to fill out a request form, and they have a wide range of things that they request to talk to me about. And then teachers also fill out a request form if they notice that their student might be struggling personally or socially. I think we're starting to realize uh, as, as a nation um, that, that we have not been talking openly about mental health. And so to get kids to open up and start to talk about this at a young age can only be a good thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I actually had a high school student come to me today and said, am I in trouble? And I said, absolutely not. You know, I'm, I'm the school counselor. Well, usually you only have to see the counselor if you're in trouble or there's something wrong with you. And I said, I need you to help me change that um, perception. And, you know, there's a stigma out there that we need to get rid of as a society. And we change it by saying it's okay to be able to talk about your feelings And so if we can start out young, knowing that, you know, it's okay to share your feelings and your emotions, I think that it's going to be that much better long term um, for our population and our society. Cindy Bloom is the social studies teacher at Comstock Middle School. In past years, she has taught students to use satellite imagery to spot looting of historically important sites. And last year, she shared with students her explorations of the British Isles as a National Geographic Grosvenor Fellow. This year, funded by a grant from the American Geophysical Union, 7th grade students at Comstock Middle School will get to use drones and other fun tools to make a difference in a local park and beyond. I sat down with Cindy Bloom and Drs. Lisa DeChano-Cook and Adam Matthews. 
from the Western Michigan University Department of Geography to learn more about this grant and how our students could make Robert Morris Park more sustainable in the future. And that was the one I just used. Yeah. Yeah, the batteries are going fast though. That, they are going fast. I wonder what that is. I wonder what that one will be. So the grant is through the American Geophysical Union. It's a 100th uh, anniversary celebration centennial grant that Adam and I put together um, in conjunction with Cindy because we knew we wanted to use middle school students to um, show them how we can use geospatial technology. So GPS, geographic information systems, drones. Uh, apps on smartphones, things like that, to help solve environmental problems in the community. Okay, and so the the long and short of it is, for, as far as the kids are concerned, they get to play with drones. One of the pieces is they get to play with drones. Yes, but that's but that's also one of the biggest hooks for the kids because they see drones everywhere all the time. And to, that's one of those little spark things that can really sort of get a kid interested. And then, okay, here's the drone, the cool part. And then what our goal is, is what do we do with it? It's not just about flying the drone. Then there, we do something with it. Right. It's the hook. Yes. yes. And it's there's other neat tools that we kind of have that they're going to play with. A lot of hands-on stuff. So thinking about terrain and landscape, using Play-Doh, Lego. using Legos. So we're going to get there. And um, then we've collected data over the summer using the drones and they can actually look at the data that we collected at Robert Morris Park, which is the Comstock Park. And they're going to solve uh, or help solve a couple of problems or issues that um, at Robert Morris Park using the data that we collected from the drones and what they know about terrain and things like that. So what, what are the problems? What is the, what is the problem? But our, our plan is to really think in terms of environmental sustainability so they can think of, like, you know, at this very local scale, here's this park. Here's, we have three-dimensional data of the terrain and of the buildings and things like that, is how could this park sustain itself in terms of power? Or, so solar panels or green roofs, um, where would be the best, which buildings would be best for those based on their orientation since we can't pick up the buildings and turn them. So we have to go with what's there. Um, we have lots of impervious surfaces in certain areas of the park, so we're looking at drainage issues and uh, environmental pollution into the lake from some of those impervious surfaces. Um, yeah, and, and where can, what can we do to enhance the, the, the natural environment? You know, so some indigenous species, can we, make this, can we make this friendly for bees? Can we make this friendly for butterflies um, and the animals that live around the park? So I assume that you're also working with the Comstock Parks. We will be working with a township supervisor um, is going to be working with us. Um, and helping talk to the kids about you know zoning and land issues um, and sort of we have different segments of the project. The first segment was the kids learned how to use maps. The second segment was building drones, flying drones. Then we're gonna Plato's and Plato's and learning how to take an aerial image and a topographical map and how do I make that into something three D? Yeah, two two dimensional surface into yeah. a three D something they understand yeah and then tying the two together where it's yep. you know here we can we can capture data images with the drone aerial images with the drone and then we can use those to generate terrain data to create you know digital models of 
terrain and landscape, and then we can use that to make decisions. Yeah, and so we're doing all the prep sort of before the winter holiday. We'll, they'll have done all of this sort of, all of these different things, and then, and then, yeah, and then afterwards, when we come back in January, we'll start actually working with the park data and putting that together and having them building maps of the park. And so the kids hopefully have an appreciation for the fact that, um, you know, with a lot of times you're working on a project and, and they're going to see the, them through to completion. Mm -hmm. This one, they're not going to necessarily see through to completion. They're going to, this is perhaps years down the road. Well, their, their part of the completion is to present their ideas about how to help some of these issues to the township board. Awesome. Mm -hmm. That's the, that is their end result. Okay. So, they may not see it physically done, but they're going through what, say, the city planner would do. And go, this is, these are what we came up with for our solutions. Let's present them to the people, see what kind of feedback we get. That's the part that they're doing. That's terrific. And, and who knows? I mean, th there's, it, may it, it may happen that maybe next year as eighth graders, this group would maybe Take do something down. At the park, and maybe that's something that you know Comstock now is as a leader in me district. Yeah, um, and maybe that's something that the seventh grade presents to the student lighthouse team of some building, and they take on one of those projects as a, as a building project. I mean, there's all sorts of ways that this could keep going after this project. Uh, this group of seventh graders is the only ones ever around this year doing this, so the STEM school is not doing it. Um, that's one of the things that we keep telling them is you're the only ones doing this. This is very special. We did this specifically for Cindy's seventh grade classes. Finally, let's talk about school libraries. It's something that we probably all take for granted. If there's a school, there must be a library. In fact, over the past 10 years, the number of librarians in schools has plummeted, and now, with only 8% of Michigan schools having a certified librarian, our state sits at 47th out of 50 in the certified media specialist to student ratio. The impact this is making on student literacy is significant enough that earlier this year, three Michigan legislators introduced three separate bills to mandate libraries and or certified librarians in our schools. Compass High School is one of those schools that has been without a library. Until now, I caught up with Compass High School's Michelle Koash to learn more about this labor of love to bring a library to life. You know, one of the questions I keep getting asked when I tell people that I'm working on this project is, you don't have a library in your school? And it is kind of hard to believe that uh, the funding and the emphasis on things like libraries has kind of fallen by the wayside in education, but it's something that we have been trying to do here casually for quite some time. Um, Chris Koash happens to be my husband and also an English teacher here in the, in the building. And I have put together a very informal library, which we used to have in the, um, the computer lab. And students could grab a book if they liked, but to have a formal library is something that we've kind of always dreamed of. And we've got a little grant money to do so, and by little I mean very little. Yeah. 
So we've decided to, to do it for real. And the kids are excited. They're really excited about it. Are there kids who are helping to be a part of this? Is there any sort of a co-op uh, element to this or no? Certainly. I've been doing a lot of trying to get things organized and figure out how we're going to actually do this thing. Turns out starting a library from scratch is really difficult and a big project. Uh, but the kids have been offering to help. We've had kids bring in donations and we're going to have students who are working in the library once it gets open. Um, I'm also looking to get some students in here to do some organizing, shelving, that kind of thing. And so far, I've had a group of students who have written some thank you notes for donations that we've gotten in. So I imagine that there's probably also uh, several students who don't have a problem with contributing some wish list items. Absolutely. We ha- I surveyed the students a couple weeks ago, and anything that I'm going to buy from here on out is going to be from those surveys. And they... They were really enthusiastic about it. I got a lot of really good suggestions from them, and and not just books that they wanted to see on the shelves, but the kinds of activities that they wanted to see in the library. I'm really looking to make this sort of the heart of the school and where we come for any kind of special activities and and that kind of thing. Outstanding. Well, it would seem to me that in this day and age, when, when we are competing with little handheld screens, and video game consoles and things like that, I know it's tough enough to try to get people to read. Um, and so you, you certainly have to have uh, an ear open to what the students want so that if you want to read graphic novels, we're good with that, right? I mean, is that the approach you're taking? Absolutely. Uh any kind of reading is going to increase literacy, and that's really what we're trying to do here. And anything that they're interested in is just going to get them to move to be interested in other things. So we are going to have a manga and a graphic novel section. I have several things already from there, but it's some place that I'm, I'm really looking at increasing. So when I hear people talk about donating books, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, oh, garage sales, right? Here's here's all the books that, you know, we're through with that are old, that are not holding up, you know, a, a leg on a table anymore. But you're also getting some uh, donations of new books. Sure. We have uh, some monies coming in as well as brand new books. We got to go to BookBug and this is a bookstore and choose a lot of new books uh, from those donations. We have had student, uh, one student brought in, it wasn't brand new, but it was uh, the entire Harry Potter collection that she had read and was done with and she donated it to school. And anybody who wants to can bring in any anything they've they've read and they want to donate that they think that teens would like are there things that you're still looking for um, that perhaps the comstock community can help with in any way shape or form i'm really looking for young adult fiction that is 
the thing that the students were asking for the most. I'd really love to have a lot of different series. One of the great things about series of novels is that students, if they like the first one, they're more likely to keep reading. And that's one of the things we want to do is get them to keep reading, get them to bring books back and check new books out. I think we call that binge reading. Do yes. We, do we do that? I know we do that with the, the TV shows. We, we binge watch, but I think we can still binge read, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Stephen King novels were one of the things that right. students wanted. I was reading Stephen King when I was a teen, and they're still they still want to read. They still do. They do. Uh, Graphic novels would be a great thing. And puzzles, we're thinking about having a community puzzle on a table that students could come in and use it as a sort of... It's an icebreaker. uh, Yeah, icebreaker or stress reliever, that kind of thing. I asked the students what they were looking to, what kind of activities they'd like to see in in the library. And this has become my mantra. Somebody said... Good vibes, making new friends, board games. Why not? Throw in some books and it sounds like a winner. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, if anybody wants to donate, they can just contact me at Compass High School. And our phone number is 269-250-8930. And we can set that up. That's it for this edition of Coldcast. We'd love to hear what you think. You can share your feedback with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You'll find us at Comstock PS. You can also let us know what you think on our website. Just go to comstockps.org slash news slash coldcast. You can now find our podcast on iTunes. Search for Comstock Public Schools and then subscribe. Where else do you subscribe to podcasts? Let us know we'll be sure to get this podcast listed on that site too. I'm Jason Hall, and I'll be back soon with another installment of Coltcast. Cast.